Welcome to the Leverage to Scale show. I'm Amber Vilhauer, founder and CEO of LeverageToScale.com, brought to you by NGNG Enterprises, standing for No Guts, No Glory. We work with purpose-driven business owners to develop their online platform and scale their influence. We believe that you have the opportunity to positively change the world one relationship at a time. Stick around to the end of the show in about 20 minutes and I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing marketing podcasts. Let's go. Welcome to Leverage to Scale. I'm your host today. I'm Dan and joining me is someone who is uh, not new to this podcasting thing. So this is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be easy, I think, for for you and for me both. Uh, Trevor Oldham, the founder of Podcasting You. Trevor, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. Excited to be here. So podcasting you helps people get on podcasts. So I've got to believe that you've been on a few yourself probably. (laughs) Yep, that is a good assumption. Excellent. So tell me a little bit about you, Trevor, and about what you do and how this kind of started. I, I I love stories. So let's make it story time. The floor is yours. Sure. So about five years ago, I was working a job making $7.03 $7.03 an hour. And Oof. I knew that really, <laughs> that really wasn't paying the bills. And I knew I wanted to go out there and do something different, but wasn't really sure exactly what to do. Somehow, some way I came across this book and basically outlined the differences between the lower, middle and upper class. And one of the major differences is that the upper class, a good majority of them start their own business. And thinking back, I've gone out and I've bought and sold baseball cards. I've mowed lawns, you know, lemonade selling, basically everything I could go out and do and make money on my own, never really knowing that it was sort of called entrepreneurship, never put a name to it. But I was just, so I just started exploring ideas. The first business I really started was buying and selling phone cases from China. But I learned that if you sometimes buy and sell phone cases from China that have a brand on them, they're going to be knockoffs. (laughs) So I learned, learned the hard way that all those phone cases I sold on eBay were quickly, quickly returned to me. But I was really just just starting to get into business from there. I started a brand selling, buying and selling bracelets and watches from China, would buy the bracelets and watches for about $20 or buy them for a dollar, sell them for $20. So good profit margins, you know, worked with some cool influencers, but really was just looking sort of for that next step in my journey. And eventually I got into uh, writing a blog for a company called Become the Lion. And with that blog, we had a very large Instagram following of around 600,000 followers in the first year. Um, courses, a book. And that's sort of how I got started into the world of podcasting. I had been running a podcast back then in 2015. But really, after about two, two and a half years of just working on the business every day, I just felt very burnt out. And I just decided Mm. to take a step back from the business. And after realigning for about six or so months, I realized I didn't want to go back to the business. It wasn't something I was enjoying anymore. And just deciding like, what am I going to do next? And I just started, started freelancing, helping people out, writing them blog posts, editing their podcast. And then eventually I saw a post for someone who wanted to get booked on podcasts. And I was like, well, I used to book guests on my show. I booked myself on shows, you know, let me reach out. And I had a phone call with her and, and she became sort of my first client. And then from there, I saw other people were posting jobs, wanting to get more clients or get booked on podcasts. So hmm. started just working them through sort of like a freelancing gig. And then just over time, they started to give me some referrals. People really started to enjoy it. I find out that pays a lot more than, you know, if I put five hours into a blog and I get paid a hundred dollars where getting people booked on podcasts, I can make a lot more than a hundred dollars in those sort of five hours. So it was, my yeah. time was being better spent there. And, and just over time added additional employees and then the business kind of just took off from there. Yeah. That's awesome, Trevor. So, so when, when you were doing product entrepreneurship, 
you made the switch into a service. Mm-hmm. Is there is there a big difference for you or is it just kind of, you're always just selling something, right? I think the biggest difference is, is one, when you're looking at, when I'm looking at a product-based business, I'm looking to sell, you know, a lot of pretty much a high volume of items where in that service-based business, it would be super hard for me if I was, you know, adding 10, 20 new clients a day to my business. It would just, I wouldn't be able to keep up. So I really learned that I don't necessarily want as many clients as possible where in that product-based business, I want to be selling, you know, a hundred bracelets a day. because that's how I'm making my income. Where in the service-based business, you know, if my profit margin on a bracelet is say $15, where I can go off and charge, you know, a couple thousand for my services. And so that way I don't have to go out there and get as many you know, sell as many products, don't have to work with as many clients. And I found it to be a lot more relaxing and a lot less stressful than having to package and ship, you know, a lot of these bracelets. And it just, I find that being not having as much to do in the business has been better and focusing, really focusing on the clients that I have now. I I found that to be biggest, pretty much the biggest thing between a product-based business and a service-based business. And where do you focus as the founder? I'm really curious. Do you focus more on taking care of the clients or the marketing or the sales or taking care of your employees? Where do you spend the majority of your time, Trevor? So right now I really spend the majority of my time as one marketing. So like doing podcast interviews like this, going off, meeting other podcast hosts, being able to promote the company this way. Two would be sales. I hop on all the sales calls, you know, answer anyone's questions. And then the three is just really focusing on the systems and processes that we have with employees and just really looking at when we're going out there and, and getting clients booked on podcasts or, you know, let's say we go out and we try to get one client booked and we have a, you know, 5% conversion rate on the pitches and another client, we have a 30% conversion rate. Well, there's a big difference there, you know, what's, what's going on. And then I'll work with my employees to really hone in. All right. Is it the pitch? Is it the shows that we're targeting? So it's really helping out with the employees in, in that sort of day-to-day process where I, I mean, my passion is just going on podcasts. I love talking to podcast hosts. And then, of course, talking to clients, you know, obviously I'm selling them, you know, my service, but at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're people, they have great stories and just learning about them, I find is very fascinating. Yeah. And so, so I hear a little bit of your, your why might be connection, but I want to hear from you, Trevor, what, you know, you started your business to, to help others, to, to get out of the lower middle class. You wanted to make a better life for yourself and others around you. So I get that. But what would you say is your philosophical why behind being an entrepreneur? I think the biggest philosophical why for me is I just never really enjoyed working for other people. I just never enjoyed someone coming to me and being like, you have to work, you know, five hours or eight hours this thing and we're going to pay you this amount. I just found that being an entrepreneur, I really, I don't have an income cap. Whereas I feel like I felt as though I was working in a regular job, I would have that income cap. I just, I always just felt like there was a ceiling where in my own business, if I work, you know, 10 or 15 hours in a given day, you know, I find that to be a lot more rewarding than working 10 to 15 hours a day working for someone else. It's just, I've always just felt that way. And I'm not, I'm not sure where it comes from. It's just, it's sort of just the way I guess I'm wired. I've always just found that I always just want to work for myself. And that's true when I was younger going off and, and selling this lemonade and, and then going through and buying those yeah. phone cases. And eventually just, I continued to morph into a relay where I was like, I really just, I don't want to work for someone else. I don't want someone else to tell me what to do. I don't want them to tell me what time I have to show up. It's, I think the biggest thing is just freedom, having that freedom to choose in my life. Yeah. Truly unemployable, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I love that. I've seen that shirt at uh, podcast events because I've been to a few of those and it's so much fun to see that unemployable. I'm an entrepreneur. So, um, so, so, so it sounds great. sounds like you've got a life built for you. You've had all these great moments so far but I got to believe it's not all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. Every entrepreneur seems to have Mm -hmm. that moment of hitting rock bottom or saying, 
enough is enough. What am I doing? Have you experienced those with podcast you? Almost oh, certainly. Even in the beginning, I remember we took a client on. He was a prominent real estate lawyer. This is before I put contracts in place, before I charged people <laughs> up front for their work. And I must have done booked him on 10 to 12 podcasts. At that time, that was about $1,000 in revenue. And I was really counting on that money. And when I went to invoice him, he disappeared, um, kept trying to in contact with him, never, sought, never got paid to this day. And it's probably been, I don't know, three and a half, four years. And I learned that for me, I always think people are going to be the best version of themselves, that they're going to be kind. And I learned early on in business that just because you have someone's word doesn't mean that they're going to follow through with it. So that was a big thing. And, and then two is just waiting for the unexpected. I give an example of at one point last year, we were taking on clients so quickly that I was having to hire employees just as quick and the process just wasn't going that good. And I thought for me, it was like, oh, I want more, I want more customers. I want more clients. We're going to make more money. But what I learned is that we're not able to provide them that good quality of service. And I ended up having three of the employees basically quit within a three-week period, which Ouch. is which is not good. And I was like, all right, maybe I should slow down that growth, really focus on getting a, you know, maybe a handful of clients each month where I can really grow with these employees and not just sort of bring them on as soon as I'm bringing clients on. So that was a big learning curve for me is just not bringing in all these customers all the time, but really focusing on building those systems and processes in, in place so that once you have these people come in, you're able to serve them better. Yeah. And it seems like, I mean, seems like you're already learning <clears throat> a lot of lessons as an entrepreneur and thank you for being willing to share them. Do you find that those lessons come from, you know, uh, from, from your age, come from being a brand new world out there when it comes to podcasting? Like how, what, what challenges do you face when it comes to that? I think the one, the biggest learning curve is just putting myself out there and putting the company out there and then just failing. Cause all right, so now we can go back to that client that didn't pay me that thousand dollars. Where I'm like, what went wrong? I didn't have a contract in place. So, all right, what do I got to do for the next client that comes on? You know, I don't like giving a contract out. You know, for some reason, I I believe people to their word, but as a business, as the business side, I have to do it. Personal side, I don't want to do it, but to move sure. the business forward, you know, I have to really just put that contract in place. And then, again, you know, with those employees quit, I was like, all right, you know, I got to figure out what are these internal processes. How do I make them better? So I think looking at a failure and, and things that go wrong is just taking a deep breath and be like, all right, how can we prevent this from happening the next time? And I think failure might stop a lot of people from going out there and potentially starting their own business where I try to look at it as it's the catalyst for me to grow my business. Yeah. It sucks in the moment and you know, it might lead to some sleepless nights and a lot of anxiety, <laughs> but I know in the end, the business is only going to be better because of it. Yeah, that's good. So if you look back over the last year, um, 12 months ago, whatever in 2020, this kind of thing, is there one thing, if you could redo one thing, what would that be? I think the biggest thing for myself is hiring a coach for my business. And the growth that we've had over the last couple of months and going off and hiring a coach has been absolutely phenomenal. I, I wish I hired a coach you know, five, 10, 10 years ago when I was first starting a business. It has been the best money that I have ever spent. And just having someone there for me to Know, this is my idea. And he's like, Oh, you know, maybe you don't want to do it this way. You want to do it that way. And, and someone who has experience in the area, but you know, he's you know, 60 years old where, you know, he's almost 40 years older than me. He's going to have, he probably has seen a lot more in businesses where I can go to him and he has a certain expertise right away. And I just feel yeah. as though that would have cut my learning curve so much quicker than if I had tried to do it all on my own. And I really learned that I don't necessarily have to do it all on my own, that there are people that I can go out there and, you know, obviously pay them well, but the amount of money that they give in return is usually going to be 10x if you really find the right coach who's going to help yourself or help your business. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Coaching. <clears throat> My goodness. Coaching can be huge. I mean, even the greatest athletes in the world have coaches. Why don't we as entrepreneurs do the same <laughs> thing? Right. <clears throat> That's huge. Um, so I love in your, uh, your LinkedIn profile, you talk about, um, how it can be difficult to reach an audience in a noisy world. Mm-hmm. Well, when it comes to building this service-based business, I imagine, you know, and you said earlier, you, you go on podcasts and, and this kind of thing, you're, you're becoming a thought leader and maybe you don't call yourself a thought leader. Cause that seems, you know, it's like talking about yourself in third person, but as you build that personal brand, you're becoming a thought leader. How has developing that helped you grow your business or your brand? I think the biggest thing becoming a thought leader is, is that people come to you and want to learn more. You know, people will email me and be like, Hey, I have a question about this. I heard you on a recent interview. Can you go and explain a little bit more about that? And whether that's even talking about the company podcasting you or whether that's just talking about, you know, a different business type of acumen that I talked about. Like if someone came to me and said, how do I go out and hire a coach? You know, I could give them that exact blueprint. And I find that becoming that thought leader really gives a chance to people to resonate with you. It gives you a chance to go out there and share your story and be vulnerable and let them know that, you know, obviously when you go to my company website, podcasting you, you're going to, you're going to see the highlights. You're going to see the testimonials, but <laughs> on these podcasts, you're going to hear that I had three employees quit in one week. I had a, a client that didn't pay me a thousand dollars and you uh, really allows you to become more vulnerable. And then I find that the more vulnerable you are, it really allows you to connect with the audience better. And then two, you know, when we're working with clients and putting them on these podcasters, we find that, you know, in any niche, there's going to be sort of sub niches. So we take like real estate investing, for example, you know, not all real estate investing podcasts are going to be the same. And when we put someone, let's say they do multifamily investing, for instance, and we put them only in front of multifamily investing podcasts, then people start to get to know them. Then when they go to a multifamily investing conference, people want to get to meet them and it allows them to sort of just build that personal brand, even in that sort of sub niche. And it allows them to become an authority where people can say, Hey, I heard this guy on this podcast, you know, he sounded pretty good. Let me go check out his website. And then from there, they start to rely on you. Then, you know, the goal is to have them get into your email list where you can sort of nurture them. And then you send them, you know, quality you know, emails, let's say once a week or so. And then they really yeah. just rely on you. And then let's say one day they're like, I want to invest in multifamily. I need a coach. I'm not sure exactly how to do it, but I'm ready. Then they're going to go to you, whether that's, you know, a month after your interview or whether that's a year really just building that relationship with them over time. Yeah. And, and are you finding that <clears throat> your clients are seeing those results pretty quickly, even in this noisy world? I would say so. And I think the biggest thing is letting is when we work with clients, they come to us and they want to be like, I want to be on the Joe Rogan show. And you know, <laughs> you know, it would, you know, I would probably be charging, you know, ten to hundred thousands of dollars if I could get, you know, clients on the Joe Rogan show. But what we really have to explain to them is, you know, your ideal listeners might not be there. And then there's going to be these, you know, even if it's a smaller show that's out there, but if they, you know, are the exact match for the audience that you want to speak to, then it's going to be a fit where instead of a lot of times people think that they want to be on the biggest show and the biggest show is going to be what's works for them when realize it's really that sort of sub niche within their target audience, whether they can go in and attack. And then that's where we've seen with clients. And that's something that we've had to learn where we've gone out and tried to book clients on these biggest shows. And then they still haven't seen a bigger return. But when we go out and sort of work on these smaller shows that are more niched down, then they see that greatest success because that's pretty much their ideal audience that they're looking to target. Yeah. Oh, it's super laser focused instead of this scatter approach. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's huge. Um, So Trevor, where do you see yourself and podcasting you, you know, three years from now, five years from now, maybe even 10 years from now? What What does life look like for you? I think the biggest thing for me is I want to, like right now, all we're doing is just getting people booked on podcasts. And I would love to help people behind the scenes where we go in, 
and we create, you know, help them out with their social media, create content for them. We help them create lead magnets. We, you know, we basically take over their email list for them and help them with all sort of aspects within their marketing that are all sort of driven from their podcast interviews that they do. And, and that's really my ideal goal for the company is, you know, it's, it's nice getting people booked on podcasts, but I want to be able to help them out even a step further with what I've been able to see and what I've been able to learn in the business and working with, you know, a few clients here and there. So that's really what, what the end goal is going down the line is just being able to help them even a step further than just the interviews that they're doing right now. Yeah. And so to get there long-term, what does success next year in 2021 look like? I think the biggest thing is just putting those systems and processes in place. Like, and then the way that we do that is let's say the end goal, every client that comes to us, we want to create two social media posts for them. All right. What's that going to inquire? You know, how many hours per week is that going to, you know, just, you know, sort of blank estimations. Do we need to hire an additional employee to do this? Can our team members now do it? And just really sort of that planning phase. And then the way that we do that is just, we take, you know, let's say we take two or three clients right now. We offer the service for free to them just to really understand how we're going to work with them and work with them in the sense that we'll do it for free just to realize how it's going to go. And all right, do we want to keep doing this in the future? Yes. Then we'll keep moving forward. But if you know, no, then we'll sort of pack it away. But it's really just starting small with those few clients. And then if it does work, all right, how much, how many hours did it take? Let's say, you know, it took 30 minutes per social media post. I'm paying someone out $20 per hour, looking at about $10 per post. All right, how can we, now what can we charge it out to our clients that we make sure that we're making a profit where the client feels that they're getting value. And it's just a whole sort of planning process that goes in behind it. Cause really in the past, I would say, all right, I want to create social media posts for clients. I'm going to go offer the services. I have nothing in the back end. I don't have anything set up. And <laughs> I've, I've learned that, that plan, I'd rather take six months to plan something and really get it down before launching it than just, yeah. sort of just throwing it out there right away. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not terrible to have an MVP, a minimum viable product, but mm-hmm. you gotta have some planning behind it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So are you finding like, so right now during this recording time, anyway, we're in the middle of, of the summer. Um, it's actually August now, but, um, COVID-19, the quarantine events are shut down across the country around the world. Really has podcasting been, have you seen an uptick since those events have been canceled? Oh, most certainly. I think I definitely seen an uptick pretty much since April when we've had clients come to us that said, I, I'm super busy, but I usually speak at events, but I can no longer speak at events right now. I want to work with you or even clients we have been working with where their schedule sort of got cleared, where they wanted to get booked on more podcast interviews because they finally have that more freedom and availability. So I think I don't want to say our industry is recession proof, but it, it does seem pretty good with everything that's going on where it is that opportunity where people do have more time to go out and do more interviews, which is, I think is a really good thing for our company. So I've definitely seen a lot more people at least come to us and want to get booked on interviews and, and sort of have that time available now that typically wasn't available in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes sense. And, and it's, I mean, gosh, how much value is there in getting in someone's earbuds when they're not going to events, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So how can our community help you, Trevor, in podcasting you um, how can our community jump on board and support you in developing this vision that you have of helping so many people? Yeah, most certainly. So, you know, I always say, you know, you can feel free to check us out on our website, which is podcastingyou.com. So that's just Y-O-U um, on our Instagram, podcastingyou.com. And, 
you know, just really, you know, if you have any questions about podcasts, you know, whether that's being a guest, whether that's even starting your own podcast, you know, even, even about entrepreneurship, I always give a person the free reign, you know, feel free to reach out to me at Trevor at podcastingu.com. I love to just answer any questions, you know, talk entrepreneurship, anything that I can do to really serve you and, you know, help you. I, I love to do that. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Podcastingu.com. Uh, look up Trevor Oldham in, in the socials. Uh, I found you on, Inst- on uh, LinkedIn. You're there. So yeah, great stuff. Trevor, thank you so much for being a part of this. Is there anything that I didn't get to that you really want leverage to scale listeners to hear about podcasting? Not so much podcasting, but I think the biggest thing that anyone can do when looking to start a business, grow their business, you know, besides hiring coaches is really that self-education. And that's mm. been the biggest, pretty much the biggest benefactor to me is, you know, whether that's listening to a podcast, whether that's reading a book, just try it as much as you can really grow yourself there, grow yourself, you know, self-education and that's been the biggest thing for me so any of your listeners that are you know unsure of how to start a business unsure what to do next you could go on amazon type in you know entrepreneurship you could go to itunes type in entrepreneurship you'll there's these podcasts that are out there there's books just just sort of get your start there and, and just go from there and that's the biggest takeaway that i would say to if anyone's thinking about starting a business yeah great stuff trevor oldham thank you so much for being a part of this perfect thanks dan i appreciate it so much for listening to the Leverage to Scale show. If you are a purpose-driven business owner or professional who would like to have a global impact by being interviewed on our show, please visit leveragetoscale.com forward slash guest. Now, if you got something out of this interview, would you do me a favor and share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your favorite social network. If you do that, just be sure to tag us with a hashtag leverage to scale. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and pick one winner from each platform. What do you win? We are going to promote you and your business to all of our social media fans totally free. Next, if you thought this was a valuable use of your time, please support the show and give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. I believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. My name is Amber Vilhauer, and I thank you so much for your time. Let's connect on your favorite social channels. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being a part of the No Guts, No Glory movement.